0: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro hi cardinal fans i'm ozzie smith
1: smith corks one into right down the line it may go you're listening to the cardinals insider podcast go crazy folks go crazy here's your host brent mcmillan Welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McMillan, and today is a Flashback Friday conversation with 2006 World Series MVP, David Eckstein. The pitch to Eckstein, a swing, and the ball is lined to left, and on the run, a diving effort off Monroe's glove toward the warning track. Backed up by Granderson, Miles scores, Eckstein is on second, the Cardinals lead 5-4. to four. I told you, they were cheating in too much, and that cheating in by the outfielders cost him he got his glove on it but it went off the webbing they were all in trying to throw someone out and David Eckstein made them pay yes he did he made a lot of people pay during his Cardinals career only here from 2005 to 2007 but really endeared himself to the fans with his hustle and grit He's a guy who likely wouldn't even get a look at shortstop in today's game, quite frankly. That spot has become about big bats and big bodies. And at 5'6", 170, sign, plainly had neither. But played hurt, played smart, played tough, and all that won him the World Series MVP in 2006. You'll hear a neat story about what he did with the car he was awarded for that MVP. That's coming up in just a bit. But before we get into the interview, I want to remind you that there's some awesome stuff coming up here at Busch Stadium, including the chance to spend your Labor Day at the ballpark. That's Monday, September the 6th, as the Cardinals host the Los Angeles Dodgers. That day, 30,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home their very own victory blue hooded pullover, courtesy of the Shane Company. Great seats remain. Albert Pujols rolling back into town for tickets or more info Visit cardinals.com slash promotions. All right, let's get it going. It's team historian Brian Finch. Always does a great job with these interviews and events over at the museum. He's sitting down with former Cardinals shortstop, World Series champion, and World Series most valuable player, David Eckstein. All part of a Flashback Friday, and you're listening to it right now on the Cardinals Insider Podcast.
2: Well, it's a real treat today. It's always fun on home weekends to have Cardinals alumni in the house here at the Cardinals Museum. And uh, what a special treat today to have the 2006 World Series MVP and two-time All-Star David Eckstein. Let's give him a warm round of applause.
3: Thank you, thank you for having me today
2: Right, and uh, we do this as a podcast Most of you know um, If you think you miss anything uh, Please feel free to join back in later On cardinals.com slash insider I must give a quick shout out To our friends and sponsors With Budweiser Zero So David will be back signing tomorrow With Saturday signings But um, we're sitting right here Next to a wonderful award For the people that aren't here To see this in person But uh, you won this in 2006 (laughs) Your World Series MVP And just walking into the museum and seeing this for the first time because you've loaned it to us uh, for about a year and a half now or almost two years what's what's your first feeling now being back in St. Louis and seeing this award
3: well first and foremost um, I am so happy that I did because you guys cleaned it and it looks so much better <laughs> yeah right there thank you so much yeah you, um, you couldn't even read it when I sent it in could you yeah, I, I've I've given the trophy and it, it sat at my mom and dad's, you know, for since oh six. Mm. And so then I got asked to if I would um be able to loan it to you guys. And I was like, Yes, I the first time it's like, Do you guys clean it? And then they're like, Yes we do, we do I was like, I'm in. I'm in. You guys can have it. No, it it definitely brings back so many so many memories. Um like I was just saying in an interview before, it's it's never thought of ever winning the world series mvp because being such a so team driven and team oriented it was all about winning the world championship and then you know and i and i i promise you at the time it it didn't really even sink in i was like oh that's great you know that, that you won um but I was so in through. You have the ring on. That's that's what you fight for right there. You fight for the ring. And so, but since you're done playing and you're retired, and you have a chance to look back. No, it's definitely so special and brings up so many good memories and stuff. And, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have won it. And I've said this many a times. There was a certain catcher that probably should have won it as well. You know, Yachty had such a great series. And not only with the bat, but what he did with the pitching staff and help you know, the games he called, you know, so, you know, I, uh, you know, I was fortunate I was chosen, but like, it could have been a number of us.
2: Well, we're going to talk about that world series for a little bit. I do want to give a quick shout out to our museum collection. You mentioned Yachty and the bat, and you may not know this. We can walk around later. We, you'll be back tomorrow. We might be able to walk around a little bit. We actually have Yachty's bat. <laughs> <laughs> that he hit the home run with in Game 7 uh, to get to the World Series. So it's a great piece. And then we actually have one of your World Series jerseys, your road jersey. I know you had a few jerseys. You know, every player has a few jerseys. But it's fantastic um, that you, as a player and that your teammates, that you all care about the team and ultimately that you're caring – and when I say that as a franchise, as an organization, and that you care about our fans because our fans are coming back. Um, they have their stories. You have your stories. But when everybody comes together and, and that you are able to keep some things – but the players can, can give one thing or a, a piece here or there and have these milestones that we can all share together. It makes for a great um, – that's really the team coming together in a bigger picture, right?
3: No, no totally. It's – you know, everyone always says – you hear it all the time. You know, St. Louis has the best fans. And I can tell you I've been around, and you guys are. And it's not the fact that you show up every day. It's the fact that you treat the 25th guy like they are the superstar. And that's something that um, doesn't happen on every club, and it's it's one of those things that when you come into this city, um, it's just different. It's just totally different. And I still I go back to the time I came in in 2005, and if anybody knows my family history, we were going through all the all the kidney transplants. And at that time, my father was looking for a kidney, and actually during that year was able to receive one. But the whole city wrapped. Um, their arms around my entire family and made us feel so welcome. and That's something that I will never forget. I remember, like, my, my mom was able to come up during the playoffs um, in 05, and she walked into a department store, and the lady saw her credit card and was like, oh, my gosh, I've been praying for you. And, like, my mom just started crying. They hugged. And that, that's, what, that's what a St. Louis Cardinal fan is about. It's, it's actually more than what, what the players do on the field. It's actually becoming part of the community.
2: That's so encouraging to hear. Let's reverse a little bit, rewind a little bit, and talk about your upbringing in baseball, um, getting into the big leagues, as much as I thought I knew your story, there's always a little bit more to learn. And um, for me, just looking even just at your basic baseball reference record page today um, and this week preparing for this interview, uh, tell us about getting drafted and a little bit about that experience and then making it into the major leagues.
3: Yeah, so so basically um, I went to the University of Florida. Um, after my junior year, I was All-SEC, All-American, everything like that, and did not get drafted. And so went back for my senior year um, and, so, and basically repeated the same thing. But you had no idea if you were going to be drafted or not. And so, you know, I actually got an opportunity because Nick Belmonte was running the independent leagues. He called me up. He's like, hey, he was our announcer for University of Florida baseball. And he's like, hey, if you want, you can come work out with an independent league team. If you don't get drafted, then you can um, just, just stay here and play. And I actually told him no. I said, if I'm not good enough to get drafted, I need to go to law school because that's what I was I was preparing my degree in, and I thanked him for the opportunity. And so I had no idea. So the day that the draft came along, I went about it. I did my workout at University of Florida, came back home, and all of a sudden, like I walk in the house and the phone's ringing, and it was um, it was Luke Wren from the Boston Red Sox, and he's like, I just want to let you know, um, the Boston Red Sox had just selected you. And I was like so soon (laughs) and so because it went so quickly nowadays it takes like days and stuff like that because i didn't no one really understood what the draft was and how long it takes and he's like yeah no we select you in the 19th round and so we would love you to join and i was like that sounds great and so you know with the negotiations and stuff like that i signed for a thousand dollars but my dad goes he wanted a hat so 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 when actually the scout came and picked me up to drive me to extended spring training so he came to my house in Sanford Florida gave my dad a hat a Boston Red Sox hat I got in the car with him and he drove me to Fort Myers Florida where I started my professional career
2: (laughs) that's fantastic and so you were in the minors with the Red Sox yes and stayed there for a few years really thought you were going to have an opportunity with the Red Sox right yes and didn't, didn't quite work out that way.
3: No, no. Um, everything was going well. Um, basically, um, I go into my AAA season, and I was terrible. I was downright terrible. And for stories of other days, um, <laughs> um, they needed to make a decision on who they keep because they were bringing back uh, – Lou Maloney was coming back. He had played in Japan. He had come back, and they were putting him on the 40-man roster spot. And the way it was explained to me – dan duquette and jimmy williams were kind of a little bit feuding with each other jimmy williams was the manager dan duquette was the gm and to get back at jimmy williams um they took me off the roster and kept izzy alcantara on because they knew jimmy liked me and so i and that's how i was exposed to waivers and when i got exposed to waivers that means i was exposed to every other club as long as they were going to put me on their 40 man and that's how i was claimed by the um the Angels. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that clearly worked out pretty well for you. Uh, you would go to the Angels in 2001, and of course, if you know David's story and you know Major League Baseball history, in 2002, the Angels would go to the World Series. You had a good season in 2001, but 2002, you really took off, and you were a catalyst to that 2002 World Series team. And what was it like winning the championship for your first time, and, and really in your second year as a Major Leaguer?
3: Um, to be honest, like with that club it was it was one of those clubs that no one really knew about no one knew our names and back in the day you know they had the pre old, the new york yankees and stuff and they were buying everybody and so like to me it was so fun and then there's a there's another i have not seen the movie so don't spoil the ending for me but there was some movie made about called Moneyball, about a team that won certain numbers in a row i think that year so all the attention was on the oakland a's they had won what 21 in a row in that same time period as the Angels, we went 18-3. and But we were a team that was just scrappy, scrappy, and, and, and played every single pitch. Um, and we played a style of an offense that put so much pressure on the defense um, that it forced them into mistakes. So it was one of those things that it was very fun to be a part of that club, to win the wild card, to get into the playoffs, and then go into Yankee Stadium. It's still one of my favorite moments of all time. Was because of when I was a little boy, my dad's favorite team was the New York Yankees, and he took me when I was five years old to Yankee Stadium. And I remember we had nose nosebleed seats. Um, looking over, Rick Saron hit a home run to win, but Billy Martin was the manager, and he got thrown out that game. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so it was it was very interesting, and and to be in the postseason, standing at shortstop, playing "God Bless America" was pretty surreal. And then beating the Yankees, beating the Twins, and then having the opportunity to go into San Francisco and beat the Giants with Barry Bonds. Mm -hmm. To win your first champion, I mean, it makes, you know, they talk about like, oh, my gosh, sacrifice this. I I promise you there's not a party you would miss out on. There's nothing a friend you would miss out on to have the opportunity to be standing on the field, last one standing on the field. And that moment um, solidified. That's what I wanted to do, and I wanted to do it again. Mm. So at that point, you have to assume
2: as a player, living through that experience, you just talked about the sacrifice, you're gonna be an angel for life, right?
3: <laughs> yes, isn't that I mean, right? Team loyalty, right?
2: This uh, is the man for yeah. team loyalty. Oh my
3: gosh, yes.
2: And two years yes. later, you
3: find yourself in free agency yeah, and, I, and I, need a place to play, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm actually working on more of, I, I, I did a kid's book um, throughout um, in 02, then again in 06, but I'm more, uh, working on more of a uh, adult version of it and stuff like this and i kind of write in the sense of it's like when you break up with your girlfriend because you think it's going to be forever <laughs> until she tells you that <laughs> um, um, it's not you it's me you know? should i so, <laughs> should,
2: a, should i caution you that your wife is standing right over I know here she, when we're talking about breaking up with girlfriends yeah she
3: she lived it with me but, it, but when you write it because it's, it's it's
2: all right it's well, like, so we're good on that though, oh yeah no right? she's okay, totally right. good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we are totally good. Yeah. Because cause you do. Like 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 you really think you're going to be with that club the rest of your life and you and you hear all the fans talk about I just wish the players were loyal. I just wish the players were loyal. And I'm that's one thing my parents taught me that you're always that's your first and foremost team comes first loyalty. And so, yeah, it was it was it, it was a little bit difficult. Situation, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, they don't want you anymore. And actually, the words coming out of the mouths were, "Was we did not win in '04 because of you, and we're signing Orlando Cabrera." Um, and so I'm saying, Mr. Stolman. So what you're telling me is that you're going to win because you're making, yes, we are. As I go- and so I said, I wish you the best of luck, and I hung up the phone. Hmm. So that was our conversation. So
2: let's talk about the positive change right. that what, came after that.
3: So 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 all of a sudden I'm a free agent, and what people don't know at that time, my dad was very sick. He was actually in the ICU, hmm. and so I really couldn't even talk. So he goes into the ICU, you know, kind of let him know that I've been, you know, basically now I'm a free agent. The Angels do not want me back. Hmm. Um, to I think it was. Three days later, two or three days later, I signed a three-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, and I was thrilled to death. I was so excited, and even more exciting was the fact that you know my first phone call was Tony Larusa calling me up, and he's like, he's like, David, the one thing about our club is we have a very good club, so we don't need you to be anything other than yourself and that was those words have stuck with me the rest of my life and and i was just so thankful made me feel comfortable day one he's like we have a club that you just will not believe and i and until this day that 05 club was probably the best talented club i've ever played on
2: so that's really interesting to hear because even going back and watching video clips of you up at the plate and how many times and you have to be I'm assuming you have to be tired of this, but here's the little guy. again. (laughs) Here's, you know, they called you just Just, enough, you know, those types of things. Did that ever wear on you or did you use that as motivation? And then to hear the manager ultimately a hall of fame manager to say, we just need you to be you. Was was that a a change in perspective or attitude?
3: Well, I definitely, um, I definitely embraced the little guy like I like that's fine you know what I mean yes I am small yes I'm you mean you got to understand like my parents were based on reality they let me know my dad let me know at an early age you're not going to be the biggest you're not going to be the fastest you're definitely not going to be the strongest but the one thing you can do is outwork and out hustle everybody Mm -hmm. and so like so that stuff didn't bug me and I actually embraced that 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 okay and if you talk to Tony the best players always play with a little bit of an edge there's something there that really, you know, because you're playing 162 in 180 days, so it gives you that little bit of a motivation. Okay, I'm the smallest guy here. Come on, I can compete with you. So that was something that was um, that that you di- that you took, but coming off of the years with with Anaheim, you know, where you know I did not have the best range, I did not have the best arm. I had to be in the right. Spot, you know, to be able to make the plays and stuff like that. So, yeah, you can get a more athletic player than me. But my goal was if I touch the baseball, you're going to be out. So that's the way I was trying to to play my game and to come into a situation where Tony just goes, just be you. You know, you got a future Hall of Famer playing to your right. He'll take care of those balls in the hole. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, we just need you. and, And that that was very comforting and allowed me to go out there to just be myself. So
2: for all of the things that the Cardinals expected from you, I'm sure you really showed them. There there are two moments that stand out to me um, being at the ballpark in 2005. The team, it's interest, interesting from 2004. 2004, the team didn't start off really well. We, we like to think, oh, the team was a juggernaut. They turned into a juggernaut. And for you not having been here in 2004, and then to see I, I think these guys we hear Roland who you just mentioned that third base you know that the third baseman that played just beside you um, and, and you lived it with Scott Scott talks about we had unfinished business after going to the World Series in 04 and, and not getting a win out of that right. to come back in 2005 and put up hundred games you can't start off slow I mean you guys started off and and you, and you stayed pretty hot. Two moments though if i give you this date august 7th 2005 does that do you remember that date i see you giggling right here
3: um yes and the reason why i just did a um a private signing and they had these photographs of me being celebrated at the at home play which is the walk-off grand slam against the atlanta braves and i turned to Joe. say say that again walk Walk off off grand slam Slam. okay
2: all right walk Walk off off grand slam Slam. okay
3: so and i turned to joe pfeiffer and i'm like because joe's standing behind me like joe you know that's tomorrow it's the anniversary of it so that's the only reason why i knew it was that date and so and he he didn't realize it either so yes yeah no that was a um very magical day um the funny thing about that story was i don't know i know they showed it on tv but i did not know about it at the time so it was bases loaded i'm going up to play john rodriguez on debt and albert's like grabbing john rodriguez's bat telling him he's not going to need it Mm -hmm. and the only way the game was going to end was me scoring three having three guys score so somehow he knew i was going to do something he told him he knew I was basically going to hit a homer.
2: Well, and, and the first one out of the dugout, jumping like a little kid, was Albert Pujols. Was Albert because he had yeah. just told John,
3: "Throw your bat away." So yeah, so it was, no, it was fantastic. Yeah, and it was against the Braves, who that was my childhood team. So it well, was
2: pretty fun. And, and then I've got to ask one more date. Then swinging with the hot stick. Twenty days later, August twenty seventh, two thousand five, you hit another home run. Um, I happened to be in the ballpark for that one too. Do you remember, do you happen to remember that home run and you had in the post game, I wouldn't say press or, you know, it's just comments at your locker, but you had such a nonchalant answer about this home run, which cracks me up, but you, you squared up for a bunt Oh yes. and then you pull the bat back and you hit a home run. Does anybody else remember this moment? <laughs> Uh, thanks thanks, Ashley, your, your wife does Yeah. Um, and and then after the game Everybody's like, this is incredible David Eckstein, you know, square Like fakes the button, hits the home run And after the game you're like Yeah dude, I'm batting practice all the time I was just trying to put the ball in the air And it's like, my gosh, gosh. How many pitchers can't even get a bunt down And uh, why can't we get our guys to do
3: that I don't know, okay. I want you to talk about okay, this Okay, so the funny story behind that Is the fact that, I'll go back to my AAA year, um my triple a year i was my first year on the 40 man no one knew my name in the red sox organization prior to that point but when you become a, when you get on the 40 man now everyone kind of wants to put their name on you and so there was a hitting coach who basically came up to me and said you know you can't hit that way and i was like in the big leagues I'm like really how do you want me to hit this this and this so i changed for him and i was hitting below 160 um and, and, of course, me, not wanting to put any pressure, I just wore it, wore it, wore it. And finally, one day, my brother heard my voice when I talked to him on the phone. And he calls up, he calls up my sister and says, book me a flight. I got to go see me. Um, <laughs> he's, Something's wrong. And he's like, well, you're teaching right now. And he's like, I don't care. I'm going to take a leave of absence. He needs me right now. And so he flew up to, I think we were in... Um, we were playing the, the Yankees. Oh, Toledo? No, not Toledo. Um, wherever the Yankees... Oh, gosh. I forget exactly, but... but Maybe it's Toledo. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, and so... Um, and, you know... They were the Clippers. And, Clippers. The Clippers. Yeah, Columbus, Columbus, Clippers, we're in Columbus. yeah. And so we're in AAA. And so you always have a roommate in A. So he's actually behind the bleachers i mean behind the garbage dumpster teaching me how to hit again because i never thought about hitting i just picked up the bat and hit and so when all of a sudden i was trying to get back to who i was i had no clue the only way i knew how to get back to where i was was to fake bunt pull back and swing i called it the happy gilmore (laughs) and so so from that point on from that point on so once, so you have, you know, you, my first round, I always tried to hit the hole at first base, like someone's holding on the runner, try to hit a low ground ball. Second round, I tried to hit off the um, L screen. Then the last rounds, you just swing. And every last swing of each round, I would fake bunt and hit. And it was the only time I could hit the ball, like way further than any time that I just stood in there. So I, I would call it like my home run round. So I always <laughs> would hit home runs when I did that. So bringing to this game, if I could fake the bunt, I would try to hit it as hard as I can down the third baseman's throat. You know what I mean? Because he's charging in if I can hit it low. But the problem was that every time I did that in BP, it was a home run. So when I did it in the game <laughs> against – what was it? Mike Stanton, I think. And it, was, think in, it, it, was, in, and it was RFK <clears> Stadium. <throat> the, it was against the Nationals. Yeah, it yeah. was at RF, RFK Stadium. Know, maybe that was. Yeah. yeah. The,
2: maybe I'm, I'm wrong I'm misremembering myself. Yeah, I remember that, that happening, yeah. though, and it's like he fakes – Fakes yeah,
3: and to be honest, probably one of the coolest moments I had because I love doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason Marquis had a great game. That oh, was yes. a big. Yeah. And he may have been on base and you score yeah. him. So anyway. All right. So the team gets to the National League Championship Series doesn't in the way we want. How does that motivate you going into 2006?
3: Um, to, I mean, to be it was it was very difficult, you know, because. I thought you were going to go off another special home run that, that year when Albert hit the three-run home run. Well, you can, <laughs> you can yeah, take oh us there. God. That's all right. right. So, like, like, so you know, you're playing, and, you know, you're down, and all of a sudden Albert hits a three-run home run, and we're, and we're leading, and then we end up winning game five. I promise you the only thought was that we were going to win the World Series. You mean, that's the, only, that's the only storybook, you know, you write after that. And so when we come up and we actually lose game six to Roy Oswalt, I mean it was it was one of those things like oh my gosh like how do, how'd that just happen and and go back to what i said before in the o2 like when you win the world series and you make it to the world series anything less than that it, it it just like it throws you like my wife will tell you like into like almost about a month where you don't even function because you know you you feel like that's what you're supposed to do you mean the fans have supported you so much and that's what you want to give them as well. Um, So going into 06, yeah, you know, it was one of those things. It's it's like, you know, you really want to do that, but also to become part of the rich tradition that St. Louis has. So we get into 2006,
2: and you talked about that 2005 club, specifically being one of the most talented teams you've ever been on. Um, 2006 didn't quite turn out that way wasn't quite the juggernaut that you'd been a part of the year before uh so talk us through a little bit about just even getting into the playoffs i mean
3: yeah so so basically you know about the first two months we were very good we were one of the best teams in the league and then all of a sudden like the injury bug hit and you know people were going down i mean personally i had um the concussions then i um um, I ripped my oblique off the bone. Then I finally come back with 10 games left to play. And then on that Sunday night game facing Clemens, I hit a ball thinking it's in the gap. And I take off. I pull my hamstring. Um, so it was one of those things that we knew if we got healthy, we would be OK. But at that point, we were about to make baseball history as being the team to have the biggest lead <laughs> and not make the playoffs. And I think that was more running through everyone's minds as a sense of, like, we just got to find a way to get in. And, and fortunately enough, on that final day, um, Atlanta was able to beat Houston. I think it was around the seventh inning we were in the dugout, and we were all like, yes. And so um, having the ability to be in the playoffs, it was one of the first times we actually – Tony was able to write out more of a normal lineup in that first game in San Diego and the way the playoff system is set off with the days off it allowed us to sort of be back to who we were
2: I remember going out to San Diego I wasn't there obviously you were and a uh, couple of key things in that series and you were on the field to witness it but Piazza dropping a foul you know behind the plate Wait. Albert getting another another pitch and he you know, hits it out. Pops up for a home run. I remember Josh Kinney being huge, you know, this yeah. kind of unknown guy in the bullpen and I forget who he struck out, maybe it was Brian Giles, but Giles literally jumped to get out of the way and swung at the same time. I mean, crazy things yeah. start to happen and and uh and then your you know, double play tandem in the infield, Belliard, you Belliard. know, just kinda of comes out of nowhere and you guys start making, you know, magic happen.
3: Well yeah, I mean Ronnie's Ronnie's play I think it was against was it Mark Bellhorn hit the ball up the middle that he makes the play with the bases loaded. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everyone tells you that was like the turning point that really sent us on our way. And and after that game, you know, Jim Edmond started the, the corny thing of giving out a game ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, that's literally And we fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. We all, and he stands up on the table and gives it to Ronnie Belliard from that point on. Everyone wanted to earn that game ball at the end of the day because of Jimmy. You know, but that's, that's stuff that you know, he was such a leader within the clubhouse and, and knowing the right moments to, to stand up and say something. But, yes, um, no, he was very, very lucky to have him as a teammate.
2: So let's circle back to the comment about Tony telling you to just be yourself. In the 2006 World Series, you being yourself, 364 batting average, three doubles, four RBIs, 500 slugging percentage, and an 891 on-base percentage, uh, you – of Yachty, of Scott Rowland, who also had a great series, but you were voted World Series MVP. And you were the one that led the Cardinals um, to that 10th World Series championship. It was an incredible performance. And there was one play um, that, in kind of an ironic sense, in Cardinals history that stood out, the Game 4 double, the first double, (laughs) you had two doubles in that game, but that really... um, there were great performances around the, the the team we mentioned you know molina roland um reyes's performance you know to yeah. get the the club going there with the the first game but um the the double when granderson slips in the outfield and you know your cardinals history but a lot of um fans that remember the 1968 world series when kurt flood slipped in game seven and some believe that that may have been the – that was the turning point, whether or not it's fair towards Kurt Flood, but, you know, he, he slips, um, and that really gave the, the Tigers the opportunity to to steal that game or get that win, and that was the, the, the World Series. And here you hit a ball that – if we're honest with us, right? You just said it should have been caught, but uh, Granderson slips. We take advantage, and then you put the nail in the coffin with uh, the double later in the game. That was the really the the winning runs, um, or driving them in. Uh, what does that mean for you? You know, and did you do you think about those things from a history perspective, or is it just just part of the game?
3: Yeah, no, no, totally, totally, and yes. Um, if you're if you play for the Cardinals, you know about 1968 and Kurt Flood um slipping in center field and then and then all of a sudden it was like a roll reversal and that happens and you think that there is something magical going on here and that something is occurring and a friend of mine had the opportunity to talk to Kurt Gran- uh, Curtis Granison a couple of years ago and to this day that's the one play he will not forget the rest is like what is, it's like oh my gosh if I could have just stayed on my feet in St. Louis hmm. you know and so it is something but it it goes down in history like you would never thought it would happen in 68 and then the role reverse in 06. So it was, you know, I'm glad we were on the other end. Of it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this game is funny, and there's mysterious things that goes on and how it syncs up with other things of the past. And if you're a real history buzz, I don't know if you listen to Tim Kirchner at all, like he would go through all this stuff. But that type of stuff is, is pretty cool to actually now be a part of.
2: Absolutely. You would play here in 2007, had three uh, outstanding seasons for us. As I mentioned, uh, to start here, two-time All-Star 2005 and 2006. Um, And then 2007 wasn't quite the team that we had the first two years you were here, um, but we had three great campaigns with you and a wonderful time here in St. Louis. You would um, move on and have uh, a wonderful career throughout both leagues and um, finish off. I want to hit you with a few other quick questions here, uh, just kind of overview in terms of looking back at your career, your major league career, your Cardinals career, I'll let you take the choice. Uh, what are you most proud of? What stands out?
3: Um, if 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 I'm being totally honest, mm-hmm. the biggest thing about the about this game is and it's something that my dad always taught me. Like, just because you play, it doesn't change who you are. And so the ability of being the same person as you walk into the league as when you walk out of the league. Um I would say, I mean, because my agent asked, asked me this question when I told him that i was going re- that I was done playing, I was retiring and and to me is the fact that um walking in the same person that I walked out as you know because the only thing that you have in this game is your reputation and how you treat people, and so I wanted to be that person that that you know um, and my family would never let me change anyways but that that's that's what it 's about it's about being a good person, and that was that was probably the The one thing that i most enjoy about personally about the game
2: awesome who had the biggest influence on you
3: um like other than like my parents Mm -hmm. first and foremost you know what they instilled in me as as a young kid the work ethic and how you have to go about your, your your the way you live your life and how that it's on you to achieve your dreams if you want them that you can do it and then and then also like my brother my brother was there with me um ever since i was little um, you know, help training me and put me in the right position to be successful and stuff. So that was huge. And then I did meet my wife in Oh three. And so, and you know, she was a huge part in that second half of my career and funny story. Um, first of all, that's
2: a good answer as noted. She's in the (laughs) audience today.
3: (laughs) Oh no, you gotta, like, if you understood my family, like my dad did not want me to get married. And the number, reason, number one reason why was he did not want me to be sh- distracted. <laughs> he did not want me to be distracted at all. And so we get married in, at the, at, in um, November of '05. So to go out the 06 to win the World Series, like, I was worried, but, okay, I guess it worked out. I <laughs> wasn't <laughs> oh, even yeah. expecting a
2: yeah. mention. I'm not even expecting
3: a mention. i alright So –
2: this is being recorded. So. This is
3: being – for yeah. a lifetime. <laughs> that's good. That's
2: right. We'll make sure the masses understand. All right. Yeah. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned – I might be wrong with this. Okay. Fans want to know, what happened to the yellow Corvette?
3: Yeah, the yellow Corvette. So that – The yellow
2: Corvette. So you win the World Series MVP. You don't just get a shiny trophy. Yeah.
3: You get the keys to a yellow Corvette that's now underneath the stadium. And I have the keys in my hand. And – I don't drive stick and I don't even know what to do. (laughs) So, so yeah. So I'm like, what do I do? So I actually left the car there and the keys there only to find out that it wasn't my car. It was a promo car. So I had to call up. um, So a month goes by, still no car, no word of it. So my agent calls up, Hey, what do you want to do? And they're like, your client really wants the car. And he's like, yes he does he's never owned his own car he definitely (laughs) wants this car and so they actually sent me the the manual and i could i could um they let me pick it out so i picked black on black and then they gave me um and then the brakes are red so the inner brakes are red but they gave me five thousand dollars to engrave it as my own and so we did the world series um logo and with my with my mvp signature into both seats oh so yeah um so so yeah so so and since i do not drive shi- uh stick <laughs> shift yeah um and the one thing about my brother so like growing up as a kid my brother had like a 65 fastback mustang um once he went to college had to sell it you know i mean we did we were we, we didn't have money you know five kids in college you know three kidney transplants we did not have money so he had to sell it to go into college but he loved those type of cars so legitimately when the car showed up in sanford florida he came down with the dealership i actually turned it over to him that day oh wow that's incredible yeah so he has it in he um where he lives um just turned last year just turned 10,000 miles so he's oh yeah he treats it it's in pristine condition
2: but you did have your autograph on the seats you so you left yeah. that little
3: reminder yes yes the that audi- was a nice but well, it was his idea because oh, you know okay. you know how sometimes they get the plaques and stuff like that um that are in the cars and stuff and rick's like no we're not doing that and his idea was to do the seats and so um yeah, and I think it turned out very That's nice. fantastic. All right, so Corvettes
2: are normally 2 seater They're two-seaters, right? It's yeah. a sports car. Let's say that it was a four-seater, what? okay? And you had to pick uh, three teammates to go on a road trip with. Oh. T- three Cardinals teammates. Oh. Um, we're, we're, we're bringing it around here. We're Bring about it. to hit the runway. But you had to go on a cross-country road trip, okay? Yeah. Um, who would your three Cardinals teammates be?
3: Um, first and foremost, Jimmy, because Jimmy pays for everything and does <laughs> such a great job. <laughs> and, and he, he always knows where the entertainment's at and i think my wife would kill me if i didn't pick jimmy <laughs> <Okay>. all right <laughs> i love doing that um you know um scott Spezio. like like all right. me, me and spiz from back in back in um anaheim as well okay um, the the relationship we had um the third who who would i go with that, that's an interesting one um I'd probably.
2: It sounds like you got the Anaheim connections now because Jimmy y- was an yeah, Anaheim. Yeah, but you, yeah, that but, was
3: before me though. Yeah, before, okay. Um, golly, this is hard. Like, I would I would probably.
2: We're not going to tell him.
3: I'd probably go. Like, I don't know if you've ever spent time with Scott Rowland, but one of the driest sense of humors mm-hmm. you ever want to be around. So I'd probably say Scotty.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's your, your I answer. I know, it's my decision. Like, I, mean, I don't know if it would be I would like, be like one of the bullpen guys because they're always the ones sitting around joking and jo- telling stories. Well, like, but.
3: that's Randy Flores. I mean, some, how, is he, how is he running this club right now? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well. Like, um, but um, he was, like, you're talking about up there with being entertaining? Randy, Flo. Flo had it. <laughs> Sounds um, good. Yeah, I mean, I could go, like, I mean, go Albert, go Yachty. You go Adam Wainwright. I mean, I was on the phone with Carpenter today. Um,
2: Well, Wayne, I'm really rolling too. They're kind of tall. So you got to think about in the car, the legs. Anyway, we can get off track. Well, they probably put me in the back.
3: So that's true. (laughs)
2: fair enough. Great answer. Okay. Finally, last question I have for you. Um, What are you up to now? Tell us a little bit about what your wife, you know, she's
3: doing her thing.
2: Right. And what's her thing? So everybody else
3: knows. So, um, my wife had started a company called Her Universe. It was a clothing line for female sci-fi fans. And she came up in the, with the idea back in 2008 um, to launch in 2010. But it might seem weird, but at that time, if you if you were a female and you wanted to buy a sci-fi or fantasy shirt, you were going into the, the boy's sections or the man's section. So she decided, kind of after what um, Alyssa Milano did for her sports, was make a... Uh, female style shirt cut for female bodies and so basically took that ran with it and i think you see what has happened in that community now like the fandom is huge but the only problem is when you are a small business owner and all the big companies have the license like disney <laughs> like uh, you go down the list target you're dealing with all of those it was time that it was you know we needed to sell so we actually sold it to a company called Hot Topic. They were a big supporter of us. And so now it has taken new, new legs with that, and she is a consultant for that. But she has originated a character, I don't know if you've heard of it in Star Wars, called Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm um but people she's
2: she's kind of a big deal
3: she's kind of a big deal a lot bigger deal than i am i can promise you that right now um and it's pretty cool to be honest um so um yeah so she she originated and and voiced the character and actually if if you guys listen carefully in episode nine when ray is calling out the past jedis you actually hear her voice so her voice was actually she actually um did that in episode nine and so now, that character is one of the most popular characters in the Star Wars universe. And so, I'm just holding on. She does stuff with Disney as well. So, holding on for the ride right now.
2: So, what I'm hearing is that you're kind of a trophy husband.
3: Um, so, <laughs> is, that, is that fair to say? Well, With, with, with a lot of shine, yes. Um, <laughs> I know the um, feeling. <laughs> you know, like, so, this past weekend, she had a convention in Raleigh, North Carolina. And my badge actually said sidekick. So, I'm the sidekick. <laughs> right, so... I want it bag carrier because I think I could be a very good professional bag carrier. Okay. All right. Well, it's been great
2: having you here. Thank you so much for coming back to town. It's our pleasure having the 2006 World Series MVP back at the Cardinals Museum. Let's give a round of applause for David Eckstein.
3: Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. All right.
1: Special thanks to Brian and David for a great conversation. I got to tell you, we spent some time with David Eckstein for a TV feature that's coming out here. Uh, You can check it out on YouTube starting August 23rd. It'll be hitting the internet. But David Eckstein couldn't be a nicer, more down-to-earth guy. Really got the most out of his body, got the most out of his talent and ability. A great ball player, a great Cardinal. Really neat to see him roll back through St. Louis, and we appreciate all those awesome stories and insights that David had to share with Brian. Hey, want to let you know that on Wednesday, September the 8th, the Cardinals host the Dodgers, and that night we will celebrate cancer awareness. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, fans will receive a Cardinals Cancer Awareness T-shirt, and a portion of each ticket sold will be donated back to cancer research at Siteman Cancer Centers. Tickets and more details at cardinals.com slash theme. Again, that is a special theme ticket, so cardinals.com slash theme some great work, uh, and a great way to get involved in the fight against cancer. Thanks for your support of this program. If you like it, if you like what we do, we really appreciate you, and we would really appreciate a positive rating or review. That is a tremendous help in keeping the show going, keeping this content coming, and making sure that we are locked in and telling you Cardinal stories for much time to go. So it just takes a minute. But uh, it is a big help to us if you leave a positive rating or review. You can also send us an email. I really do read them. I get back to you. It is podcast with an S at cardinals.com. Until next time, for Brian Finch and David Eckstein, I'm Brett McMillan. So long. This has been the Cardinals Insider Podcast.